Welcome to Today on Broadway. We have January 17th, 2023 <laughs> on the docket. It's yeah. kind of kookalooku that, you know, it, it's funny because, of course, this is Tuesday's show, but we are recording yeah. um, ahead of schedule. And we're going to kind of give you the news along with some, like, here's what's coming up in the week. Yeah. Uh, updates. You're Grace so Aki, I'm, by the way. Yeah. I'm Tell Me on a Sunday, it's Grace Aki. <laughs> and I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. As you can tell, it's a holiday and uh, we have no news, uh, but we are doing a show. But we spent about 10 minutes talking about food beforehand, so we're a little razzle-dazzled. The last thing you all didn't hear was us talking about beef tongue. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. if, if that's of interest to you, um, feel free to subscribe to patreon.com slash Broadway radio and then hope to we will God talk that about we have our food. a food podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> Wouldn't that be divine? Yes. Yeah. Uh, beef tongue, um, actually, fish wife. I don't remember yeah. what else we talked about. Cam salmon. Cam salmon, obviously. Salmon row, Amish markets, yeah. the works. <laughs> I was, um, as we were talking about before on our half day off, I was out hiking and you were eating tacos, but I was listening yeah. to what I know is your partner's favorite podcast and my favorite podcast. That's not this, of course, off menu. So off that's menu. even more food. Yeah. <laughs> that so is day. their favorite podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, that's so perfect. Well, if you're listening to today's podcast for today on Broadway, yeah. you have to know that we are we are um, partial to the fact that the newest episode of All the Drama featuring like Ooh, yes. a soldier's play was really yeah, yeah. iconic. Um, we want to definitely highlight Jan's Jan work there. So absolutely. if you haven't already, give it a listen. Yeah, um, also worth mentioning. Listen. Yeah, I, same. Um, also worth mentioning, um, today's RuPaul Dragway's Drag race winner, drag race winner, um, drag race winner, Jinx Monsoon's Broadway debut oh, in Chicago. We've queens. been talking about it. It's a whole new cast, by the way. But um, like as far as like principles are concerned, new Billy Flynn mm. as well. But um, yeah, it's very exciting. So I'm I'm eager to see. I mean, Jinx this, Monsoon's this videos. January sixteenth, as yes. this is for uh, January seventeenth. Yes. But she is on stage tonight. 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 As we speak, so we'll we'll have to give you some kind of video um, evidence afterwards. Oh I'm sure there will be a curtain there call video. Be, obviously, the last Somewhere time we spoke um, about Jinx Monsoon and me saying that this is the time I need to go to Chicago, and that always being the yes. case, and me not having gotten to Chicago in about a decade, mm. I do. Uh, not purchased yet because we need to figure out a date, but that is my birthday gift from one of my friends is to go see <gasps> Jinx Monsoon in Chicago. <laughs> so we're That's safe. Amazing. We're safe. We did it this time. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Oh my God. There will be an abundance. It makes sense. I'm really excited. This is going to be you. fun. This thank is going to be fun. You. Yeah. So I guess let's get through the week, shall we? So Frankenstein's monster is drunk is debuting January 17th at 59 East 59th Street Theater C at Big Telly Theater Company. Eager to see what exactly that means. It's a great name. Um, I'm sure. I mean, 59 East 59, the shows that they're able to program, whether that's from another theater company or within, you know, their own season, perhaps like it's, it's fascinating. They're able to vacillate between many, many genres and styles. And so I'm always eager to see what they're able yeah. to bring. They've got a couple um, opening this week, too, which I know we'll get to coming up the day after. But yeah, very versatile, very diverse work. Love new shows of 59's 59th. And then for the final benefit performance, uh, the Keen Company presenting at the Players Club, The Year of Magical Thinking. I don't know if you knew, yeah. but... 
Ashley and I specifically are going to have some things to We're, say about this production. We, we may or may not because of some very <laughs> kind listeners uh, at King Company. Thank you so much. Uh, yes. Grace and I get to go to the final benefit performance of the year of magical thinking. We're so excited. Ugh. If you're not a regular listener of Broadway Radio, you have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. Essentially, we, we haven't stopped about talking about this production <laughs> of how much we wanted to see it. And of course, by all all good graces, the show has been selling out, and we're so thankful that it's been selling out. Oh yeah! But it's also been upsetting because it's been selling out, and we haven't been able to see. Yeah, it. but guess so, what? Um, we're in. We're, we're very fortunate that we got in, and the King Company specifically bless up to the King Company. Can't oh, wait to continue to shepherd your performances here on out. But truly, also, truly. thank you again for for getting us in for this one. So we'll have a lot to say about that and. Um, a latter episode this week, especially. I think um, Keen then- Company was maybe behind one of the first shows I ever reviewed professionally. I'd have to really? go back and check, which was their revival, however many years ago, Tick, Tick, Boom. And that was like oh. the first thing that I really did. And obviously, I loved it because I've talked about it 17,000 times since then on the show and outside the show. But very special place in my heart for Keen Company. And so excited to see this. We're obviously going to talk about it probably next Monday when we're on the show again together mm-hmm. i think oh or thursday i can't remember when we're on together again one of them but we'll we'll have thoughts we're both such fans of joan didion's work so oh seeing kathleen chalfont shepherd this production of the year of magical thinking i've br- i'm bringing my theater tears handkerchief of so course. just be prepared <laughs> <laughs> can't wait uh, moving on into the week for Wednesday, January 18th, the Immortal Jellyfish Girl will begin with Waka Waka Productions at 59 East 59th Street Theater, Theater A, beginning yeah. January 18th. So we'll be sure to talk about that one soon as well, as well as The Smuggler at Irish Rep. I know Irish Rep is having a big They're comeback big year, year yeah. you know, post pandemic with work. this great season. Um, great you could hear about The Smuggler. Uh, January 15th, Friday, Cornelia Street debuts at Atlantic Theater Company Stage 2. This is their mm. first preview, so not their opening night, but their first preview performance. So um, we'll be keen to talk about Cornelia Street there. We've been talking about it quite a bit on the show as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. And always talking about Atlantic Theater Company because what have they produced lately that them. hasn't been great? Yeah. And again, you know, I know that there are a lot of specific and and even though we do not believe here at Broadway Radio, we do not believe that Broadway is the end all be all. No. You know, of theater, we we shepherd and and champion off-Broadway theater as much as possible, including off-off-Broadway theater. Uh but specifically with Atlantic Theater Company, they have been really fortunate in what they produce and what they uh, led on to have second lives, whether Absolutely. that be Broadway or a tour or another out of town. Um, they've got great taste and accessibility. So um, we're always kind of keen to look at it with a second eye instead of just like, oh, I'm enjoying theater. I'm also looking at the you know, landscape of like where that might land in the future. Right? Absolutely. No, I, I literally could not say it better myself. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So moving on to the final performance of Merrily We Roll Along at the Off-Broadway New York Theater yeah. Workshop, Sunday, January 22nd. I mean, how did you feel? I mean, have I stopped <laughs> talking about it for a month and a half? I get to see it one more time on uh, Thursday what? nights. Are you kidding? No, I'm not I didn't serious. see it at all, and you're I seeing know. it twice? What? Yeah. I'm going to yeah, throw up. Yeah, sorry. One was a uh, press comp, and the other uh, was a gift. 
to me. So I Who do I have to talk to? Very, very lucky. Very lucky. I I love this show so much, obviously. When we talked about our best theater of the year, I I mean I had talked about it because it just opened a few days before we start, we recorded those. So I think I talked about it for 10 straight minutes or something. I have a lot of love for this production. I think it's pretty, pretty perfect, or at least as perfect as Merrily gets. I'm delighted to get to see it again. Sad to see it close, but it's coming to Broadway. A few more months-ish. Several more months. However you want to determine. Fair enough. I mean, I get it. You know, um, it's funny because I, in the past... 20 minutes. I just received a commission art piece for the um, outside of the New York Theater Workshop with the Merrily Poster. So um, be on the lookout that someone will it. very fortunately receive that. And maybe that'll go on my Hope it's me. Well. Yeah. Oh, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, someone just asked, um, do you have time to do this? And I was like, I can make time because I always try to make time for a commission art piece. But this one is very special to the theater community for Merrily. We're True finally getting a revival of that. Um, And then finally, in our recommendations, again, we just wanted to give you guys a recap of what's going on in the week and what shows are coming up. But these are our final recommendations that are really sweet. Starting off with Hugh Jackman's closing night speech over at The Music Man. You can find that on BroadwayWorld.com. It was really special. Lots of shows closing, like we talked about on the show yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, The second, of course, is... Six of them. Not six six the musical, but six shows closed. Yeah. We've also got, you know, Adrian Kennedy's Ohio State Murders on Broadway. The the curtain call of that um, was posted as well as a real um, Miranda Cromwell directed alongside Marion Elliott's performance of Death of a Salesman closed that that uh, video has been posted on Twitter as well by Miranda herself. You loved that um, one. I know I I haven't posted my curtain speech um, that Wendell Pierce gave on oh, his, yeah, birthday. It was his birthday. Right. And it, it's really special. So maybe head to my TikTok for that because yeah, that. it's it's really beautiful and very moving. Um, one of my favorite performances of the year. And then we've got Strange Loops final bow, according oh. to their Instagram and Jekyll Spivey's like, you know, bowing down to the, oh my to the God. curtain. Because, um, yeah. you know, sometimes your legs give out. You're so moved by something. Say, I would have collapsed if <laughs> If I was there too, <laughs> 100% understandable. I have so much love in my heart for that show. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's been through so much. And so we've also Long got journey. like Mark Babiglia's final um, backstage video. He's yeah. been, I don't know who his manager was um, for social media for this, but mm. they kind of went above and beyond. And I don't know if it's a single person or if it was a company. I'm not trying to like allude to some secret sure. that I know, but <laughs> I just want to call out that it's been so well done. Um, it's been so authentic to uh, Mike's brand and the show itself. So whoever was a part Kudos of that- in charge you. of that kudos to you because it's a rare um, occurrence when we're complimenting broadway marketing so you know we're earnest because i know now i'm i'm so much more familiar with all of yep. the hoops that, and hurdles that people are having to jump through for this and so getting to see this done so so well um it was it was just so exciting especially when you're a solo comedian that work can be really daunting and like kind of mm-hmm. self it's just exhausting, right? Where you're like, I just don't want to talk about myself anymore. Um, so everybody that's been a part of this, just like shout out. It's been beautiful. It's been a well-run show. And um, if you didn't see Old Man in the Pool on Broadway, I'm sorry. It's probably going to Netflix, though. Like, that's my understanding. I hope so, because I didn't get to see it because I was sick when I was supposed to see it. But I adore Mike Birbiglia. 
And I'll be at the next one, whether it's online or in stage, for sure. If you listen to Mike Birbiglia's podcast, um, I believe it's about his work working Mm -hmm. it out. Um, You can listen to him talk to his director, co-collaborator, and runner of the Barrow Group, Seth Barish. It is one of my favorite episodes of the pod, not because I'm obsessed with Seth and all the work that he's done and the way he (laughs) helped me usher in my show, but mainly because like just hearing two people talk about like they're the top of their game right so sure um it's it's really fun to hear them talk about their collaboration experience so if you're the fan love, of love. the old man in the pool look and that he should be. up as he should be right any other any other um wrecks that you want to toss out ashley or is that oh. nailed it i mean i think we nailed it because like we said six shows closed closed yesterday i think the only yeah. one i didn't see by the time we recorded was curtains from top dog underdog um i saw them on like the, the top dog underdog instagram stories so they might be gone by the time you get to check them out but mm-hmm. hopefully they'll post stuff in their the reels and on twitter and everything too because god i loved that show so much that was one of my favorite plays of the season for sure and sad to see it leave so soon but i will probably find the next nearest production of it to go and see whatever it's, you know sometime around the east coast truly one of my favorite plays yeah and so scheduling got in my way and i wasn't no. able to see <laughs> i was and i want to shout out like polk like all of the peer press agencies that were oh, so yeah. so so kind and generous to press rescheduling press, all the I things. I love you. Oh my yeah, god, you are my heroes. To all of you. Ugh, absolutely <laughs> but, um, heroes. Apologies to all of them with well, oh, I'm Yeah, I'm the I'm the same, trust me. Any press rep who's listening to the show knows that I am notorious for rescheduling stuff because of chronic pain and 10,000 yeah. other reasons. So, we just adore y'all for real we do and and allowing us to be able to talk um thoughtfully on the show about shows um is really important to us so thank you again for allowing us to be a part of that community and for allowing us to go to shows that are sold out benefits even so see you tomorrow i guess see you all tomorrow uh (laughs) thank you all so much for listening to today on broadway i hope you enjoyed your um holiday hopefully you had some some insightful moments with your family friends and others um follow us on patreon.com slash broadway radio it's how we're able to do the show in general and follow us on all social media platforms at broadway radio you can find me on social media at it's grace aki ashley where can people find you you can find me on instagram at no this is ashley and don't go anywhere just yet because although sit today on Broadway down. has sit down your rock in the boat yeah. because Matt Tamanini, your favorite besides us, yeah, your favorite besides us, um, has a glorious interview with Jean Louisa Kelly. You know her, you love her. Jean was in the original cast of Into the Woods. You're she went to star right. in the Fantastics, Mr. Holland's Opus, Uncle Buck. Like One I am actually obsessed all time. with her. Yeah, yeah, and she was most recently seen in Top Gun Maverick. But if you want, oh, yeah. you can hear all about her. Uh, concert at Laurie Beachman on Saturday, January 21st. It is sold out, but there's a live stream version. Um, so hear their conversation. I'm really excited to listen to this. They have a lot to talk about. So um, please stay tuned for this wonderful interview. Well, Jane, thank you so much for for joining me. From what I understand, despite you having this incredible career on both stage and screen, is this really your solo concert debut? Yes. Oh, God, don't remind me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I just forget I said that. We'll go back. We'll start the whole thing over. I thought I was doing it in my living room. (laughs) That I'm sure you've done before. Yeah, actually, that was a crucial, a crucial step in this because 
I was encouraged to do this show um, by my director, Richard Sabellico, who uh, was my first director professionally when I did Annie back at Theater by the Sea in Rhode Island years oh ago. I know, it's crazy. So he and I reunited when I moved east. And um, he was like, you got to do a show, you got to do a show. And um, another friend of mine was like, why don't you, why don't you start by just doing it in front of a few friends in your living room? And that's what I did. And then I did it in um, Connecticut in the next town over. And now here I am in the big old city. So we'll see how it goes. I'm still just kind of marveling at the fact that everything that you've done in both Hollywood and on Broadway and in theater, that this is the first time you've ever done that. Was it something that you avoided or was it just something that the, the chips never fell in the right order for something like this to happen in the past? Um, well, I think I, I don't know if I specifically avoided it. I, I did. So when I was in L.A., I, I have released um, a few albums mm-hmm. and I I did do um, a show of my last album release, which was an album of standards called For My Folks, uh, music, musical director Todd Schroeder. Amazing, amazing. And um, we did do a release party in in LA for that and that took it was Todd had to like kick my ass to get me <laughs> to do that because I was <laughs> terrified um but you know it's a lot to write a show it's mm-hmm. it's um it takes courage and um it takes time and this really began sort of as a result of the pandemic too you know it was it was like okay i need to do something with my creative energy i'm sure that like i'm one of a thousand you know a hundred thousand people who've wanted to do something creative during the pandemic and so if i don't turn my my creativity for the forces of good they're going to be used for the forces of evil so (laughs) That might be a follow-up question. I might have to ask what that might be all about, but um, no, no, <laughs> yeah. So, but, so, but you talk about writing this show, and this is like a lot of cabarets, not all, but you know, different from like maybe when you do an album release party and you just sing the songs on the album. Like mm-hmm. this is a a chronicle kind of of your life and your story, and you're singing songs that have been a part of your career in some point or another. And and there's some other things probably mixed in there as well. What went into this process of finding the right moments to sing about? And then from that point, finding the right Mm -hmm. songs to sing about those moments. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, really kind of, it's the same as when I've written my, my music um, for my albums. It's sort of like comes to me and, um, you know, there were a few, there were some ideas that were, you know, given to me by Richard, who's has a vast knowledge um, of, you know, musical theater. But I did, you know, I started it sort of started with Annie and it and I took off from there. And um, I don't know, the, the ideas just sort of came to me. Um, that's a very boring answer. No, but that's, but it's true. I mean, it's so much of the creative process is just kind of inspiration striking and you're not really ever sure where it came from, but it just happens and you kind of have to run with it. And it sounds like that's kind of what you did in a lot of cases here. Yeah, that, and you know, I have, I have this, um, I have the voice memo app on my phone. And if I get an idea, I just record into it immediately. And I will say that like, 
sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't get back to sleep and I'll just, you know, there were with, with this show, there were a lot of really important things that kind of came to me at three o'clock in the morning. I'm at the age in my life where that's happening. <laughs> it's really annoying, but where I'm waking up in the middle of the night and stuff got written. Um, it's not convenient, but that's the way it happens for me. A lot of times I've written whole songs. Like I wrote an entire song that was in this movie I did a long time ago on a hike. And oh, wow. I just had the, the, the phone in my hand and I was just like, ah, da, da. it was, it was Valley of fire, this movie that I did with John Deal. And I wrote the entire song. It was, it came, it came in one, almost completely in, in one hike. Um, and so that's sort of the process for me. And if it feels good in my body, that's what ends up there. Um, because otherwise I just can't tolerate it. So yeah, that's kind of how, how that went for me. And a lot of, a, a lot of the, um, the music that goes, it just, it sort of moves the story forward. So yeah, it starts with Annie. Then I end up going to, um, I go to New York city and I do into the woods and then you have me moving into the movie business. And then you have me moving out to Hollywood. It's, um, sort of traces my life. And I do think that it's made, it makes the doing the show a little bit less scary because I'm just telling a story, you know, it's not like I'm, I mean, which happens when you're singing a song anyway, but um, it's just plot point, plot point. I mean, I know the story. <laughs> I, know it. Yeah. I don't have to worry about forgetting my lines, you know, and if I do, that's okay too. Well, it, that's interesting because I've heard, I've talked to a lot of people who have done cabarets and they talk about the fact that even if they are telling their own story, as you obviously will be, when they're on stage, it is kind of a persona, perhaps, or maybe a, a character is too strong, but it's they're mm -hmm. stepping into a certain part of themselves. Have you mm -hmm. kind of figured is this is this a performance uh, or is this? truth telling how do you blend the the mm -hmm. the worlds of being an actor being a character and being your authentic self that is such a good question and it's so true like you're so right um because it's kind of like if it's just me you and me talking i'm like who like why the hell would i want like who wants to hear me get up and what what gives me the right to get up and tell people my story you know, it's like, who do you think you are? <laughs> Why do you, you know, like it, it takes, um, I don't know, I guess a certain amount of ego to get up and expect that people will be interested. And that was a tough one. Like, that's a tough one for me. Um, because if it's you, then you're not playing somebody else. So if it's, if you're playing somebody else, then it's like, oh, well, I'm this person. So I can be, I don't have to like, have the same kind of ego or I, I don't know, I, I might getting, be getting a little muddled here, but that was something that I had to slowly embrace. And Richard did help me with that. Um, and really one of the things that's helped is it's more of a sharing, you know, I'm, I'm sharing my experience. And I think that that's what, that's what I want to see when I see other people. Like I want 
to see, um, I want to hear other people's intimate experiences and stories. And um, I don't want to see perfect. I want to see truth. Um, so if that's what we're all doing here, you know, we're all listening to each other. And um, I think that's, you know, it's just that part of the conversation, right? Like, I think that's, that's what sort of I've adopted. And I, if I don't, if I lose that idea, then I get into trouble because I get really scared, you know, because then yeah. I think I have to be up there and be this perfect Broadway girl. And I'm not, you know, like I, <laughs> I don't, I don't think that I can compete and I don't want to compete. You know, that's just not, it's not about that. Hmm. It's about like holding hands and listening. Is that the truth then you talked about you all what you want to share truth? Is that the truth from this story that it's that it's not about competition? It's about celebrating either the journey or the art or the process or anything like that? Well, for sure. I mean, that's in there for sure. Um, it's I mean, overarching, I think if I ha well, the name of the show is anything can happen. And I think and it's a it's hopeful the the whole the idea of it, the theme is, is hope. And um, certainly that's something that I've, you know, discovered I need. And um, so I'm sharing that. I guess I'm sharing that message. If that sounds preachy when I say it to you like this <laughs> in an interview, but, you know, moment to moment, that's what, that's what I'm grabbing for. Um, and it takes, it's a muscle, you know, to hold on to that idea. You obviously talked about kind of the, the trajectory of your career starting in, in Rhode Island with Annie and, and going through theater and Broadway and then out to Hollywood. Obviously, a lot of the songs that you're including from the theater stuff, I think people can understand where those come from. But when you start to take your journey out to L.A., how do you start to incorporate the music that you're going to be singing to that part of your story. Obviously with something like the fantastics that makes sense, or maybe some shows that you did out there. But when you're talking mm -hmm. about films, whether it's Mr. Holland's opus or uncle buck or anything else, how do you figure out how to pinpoint what music to include for that part of your journey? Well, that just comes that it's more about life. Um, uh, it's sort of about my life and there's, you know, there are moments in your life where certain songs sort of articulate what the experience is in that moment. And that's, that's what I used. So I've done, well, I don't want to give away what's in the show. Yeah. You don't have to give anything away. Let me ask this, this, this way then, when you started to settle on those things that might just be more about the moment in your life than actually like a li literal translation of something you did on stage. Did you find any themes in the songs that you chose, whether it was a genre or a style or a composer or a writer, or maybe a star that you kind of gravitated to shows that that person did anything that kind of can be a, a subconscious through line for that part of the journey? It's just about like what was happening in that particular time in my life. So if I was going through an experience in my life, there's a, there is always a song. <laughs> there is always a song that describes the experience. So I just tell, you know, and songs can tell it better than I can say it because the music does most of the work. Um, so yeah, that's, Without telling, like, without giving a spe specific example, I would say that 
it's just, okay, you know, I'm 50, I'm 50 years old now. And I've had two, two kids. I've been married 25 years. I've been in the business since I was, you know, 10 or 11. Young enough to play Annie. Yeah. 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 So I, I mean, I've gone through a lot of life as we all do. And um, there are songs for all that stuff. I remember once I was auditioning for this web series I did called Sin City Saints. And I was auditioning for the mom and she's just like real powerful, powerful um, person. And I don't remember which song it was, but it was, there was a song that I was doing from Gypsy and I just was singing all of the the lines um, for the, for the sides in the television show with the, the melody of this song, because it's just that there's stuff that it matches your experience in real. I mean, you must have songs like that, yeah, that sure. you know from musical theater that like, oh, or like if sometimes if I'm terrified in real life, I'll say, whenever I feel afraid, <laughs> I hold my head erect yeah. and whistle a happy tune. So no one will suspect I'm afraid, you know, like yeah. I just do it because it's helpful. It's like, um, it's a physical thing that, that puts me in my body and gives me an alternative uh, perception and, you know, uh, sort of an, a focal point for my attention. That's uh, that's exactly right. Like, I think even for those of us who aren't performers, like there are certain songs uh, or even shows that as you are trying to get yourself in the right headspace for something, whether that's something personal or, you know, you just kind of want to get a pick me up, like there are songs you go to. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. And I think it applies Mm -hmm. to somebody, whether you're trying to, to get into character for an audition, or if you're just trying to get over something in your life, I think that is is incredibly applicable for all of us that love music, Mm -hmm. not just musical theater. But um, you mentioned doing a song, you know, doing your lines to a song from Gypsy. I do know in the press release, it does mention that you are doing a song from Gypsy. Um, Mm -hmm. There's also it says you're doing a song from Company. You already mentioned doing Into the Woods. Uh, it sounds like there's a little bit of a Sondheim theme there. How important are those shows and his work in general? It, it, how important is that to your personal and professional you know, story that you're being t- told in this show? Well, um, Sondheim is, has been very influential um, for me. Uh, my mom always had the all those musicals in, playing in the car when she was driving me around to my dance lessons and my voice lessons and my auditions. I mean, I just, that was the soundtrack of my life growing up was musical theater and the standards. And um, I remember I used to come home from school. Uh, I think it was like in fourth grade and and I, I remember when I heard the the album, the music from Cats, and that was kind of rock and roll to me. And I would put on the record and sit in the den listening to it because it was so exciting. But it was like rock and roll. And meanwhile, like, and then going into, uh, you know, like junior high, I was so late to the game with like what my other friends were listening to, you know, rock and roll and stuff. But um, we always had Sondheim playing. And my voice teacher, um, there was my voice teacher, my first voice teacher, her name was Kathy Lute. And she had a, um, she and her husband, Dave, had a theater called Calliope Productions in Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. And they cast me as in the role of Amal 
in a mall in the night visitors when I was 10, that was community theater. And it was, I mean, it was a great, great experience, but she, I, I also did several other reviews and, um, she taught me a lot of that Sondheim as well. Where am I going with this? I love Sondheim. It's, it's so, um, you know, there's so many layers. There are so many layers to, and, and, um, I listened to the music of Into the Woods for a year through the speakers uh, backstage, you know, when I was waiting to go on. And I knew that whole thing. It's like in my DNA, but I get it a lot better now. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you know, children will listen. Children, uh, you know, no one is alone. All this stuff that it's so universal and, and there's so much depth and it's done it's done so beautifully i just love it i love it love it love it we talked about the fact that you have done so much on stage and um and in hollywood and the people that you have worked with on screen especially in addition to all the, uh, everything you've done on stage is really kind of remarkable and and i wonder as you look through the 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 history of all of the films and tv that you've done if there's somebody that you've worked with that you thought they might not be a musical theater person, but they have the heart or the whether it's the talent or the the chutzpah even to be a musical theater person. Is there somebody that you look at and you're like, you know what, I, I feel a kindred spirit there, even if they are known as a as a screen star? Well, I mean, I have been, you know, blessed to work with a few big ones. And um, I mean, I would say I would say Richard Dreyfus certainly. I don't know if I don't know if he sings. Oh, he did kind of sing. He sang "Beautiful Boy" in Mr. Holland's opus, and it was um, he was nervous. He was nervous to do that. Um, and John Candy certainly. I think that I don't know those guys. Those guys were pretty amazing, and we know that Tom Cruise can. <laughs> We know that he can sing. <laughs> yeah. And we've seen him all dance in his underwear and a, and a button up T-shirt, too. So we've seen that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know. I know. But um, in, when I was doing the Fantastics, it was pretty amazing mm. to be with Joel Gray and, and, um, and Joe McIntyre. Oh, my God. He's so, so great. <laughs> well, and he's gone on to do quite a bit of, of musical theater as well. So uh, it, it's kind of fun that even if he's known through a certain generation as a pop star, that he is uh, uh, delved into the musical theater world as well. But uh, to kind of bring it back to the show and we can, we can wrap it up uh, kind of with, with this, you are coming to the Lori Beachman theater and not to psych you out even more, but less than two weeks now um, <laughs> f- without giving away any of the secrets that you have planned for the show. If people are going to come and see this this concert, this debut solo cabaret show, what are you hoping that they leave with? What are you hoping that they take away from having seen you tell your story on stage through song? Okay. Well, first of all, let me just say that we're going to we're setting up streaming, so tickets yes. are available being via streaming. Um, so that's. Uh, that's an option for people if tickets are sold out. Um, but really, I would hope that people would leave with the idea that you never know what's going to happen and things can change in a heartbeat. And um, 
just because things are difficult, um, things can turn around and we don't have to do anything by ourselves. And um, there's hope. Yeah, I think that we all need that all the time, but especially now, I think, especially as you mentioned, people kind of coming out of the pandemic, even though it's still going on, it's something that we all need a little extra bit of hope, uh, no matter what our circumstances are. So um, we will, of course, have information for anybody who wants to purchase tickets to either see the show in person at the Lori Beachman or to set up uh, the streaming option as well. So, Gene, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this. This was uh, a treat and a delight. And I I've got my fingers crossed for you. I'm 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 wishing the best on this <laughs> this endeavor for you. And uh, Thank you. and obviously, and also you mentioned Tom Cruise, uh, uh, Top Gun Maverick streaming on Paramount Plus now. It seems like it took nine months to get there, uh, but that's exciting too. <laughs> Biggest movie of the year. Yeah, that was a complete blessing dropped out of the sky. <laughs> no pun intended. There's a few things that dropped out of the sky well done, in the movie. Well yeah, but not that. Well, well, thank you so much. Have a, a wonderful last couple of weeks of preparation, and we look forward to seeing the show on the 21st. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a delight speaking with you. 